So forget about the notion that the retail investor is the contrarian indicator. How worried should investors, all investors be, that professional fund managers are on the bullish bandwagon is bursting at the seam? Uh, I mean, they are so giddy these days. In fact, according to the Bank of America, uh, the poll they released yesterday, 79% of fund managers expect the global economy to experience a soft landing or no landing. That is the most optimism in a very, very long period of time. And here's the thing. Uh, 79%. You haven't seen this. This is sort of a record. Uh, meanwhile, rate cuts during the recession generally have seen stocks initially move lower. Now, you say, well, why is everyone so excited about these rate cuts? Well, the fact of the matter is, is that uh, they usually do pretty well. But there's been a mad dash by asset managers to get in front of this. And now, as you can see, you can see the long position and the number of folks expecting a, a short-term rate cuts it's almost 100%. Almost every single fund manager thinks that there will be a rate cut. Now, according to bar chart, hedge funds are now short. Here's the other side of this, folks. This is really amazing to me. Uh, I don't know if we have the chart for this one, do we? Oh, boy. Okay, so hedge funds are short 787,000 contracts of the 10-year treasury. 787,000. By far, a, it is a record, a record. So on one side, hedge funds are short the bond market. And on the, on the other side, you got fund managers who are overly long the stock market. Meanwhile, of course, the odds uh, are that the reaction from the, uh, from the Fed is going to be good. Listen, by the way, take a look at this. This is what usually happens in easing cycles. This is over the long term. Initially, though, it doesn't always work out that way. And this is what I want to point out. Uh, this is the 787,000 I was talking about. 787,000 uh, short. This contract thing is crazy. Hedge funds are really betting something big here. Now, this is what we need to be looking at as well. Uh, yesterday, we had a few tells. Remember Waller, Fed Governor Waller spoke, and initially the market went higher because, again, this is like the staunchest hawk, and he kind of rubber-stamped the idea of 2024 rate cuts. But that rally fizzled. At the end of the day, market breadth, that's when you take all the stocks in the New York Stock Exchange and the NASDAQ, you look at the ones that made new 52-week highs versus new 52-week lows, and for the first time since mid-November, we actually had a lot more stocks that came in on the new low side. That is a red flag. All right, let's bring in Bianco Research President Jim Bianco. Jim, you've been sort of in a little lonely place there for a while because you've been calling for the 10-year yield to go five, maybe even five and a half. I suspect, though, today it's a little bit more sobering, maybe, maybe not getting crowded in your part of this uh, equation, but certainly people are starting to think maybe this glide path to a soft landing won't be as simple as it seemed just a week ago. I, I agree. I think that what we're seeing with the data is upside surprises. The retail sales numbers for December came in way better than people thought, and that's caused Wall Street to up their fourth quarter GDP estimates, and that the economy is not looking soft landish. It's looking no landing. All no landing means is it doesn't slow down. It just continues to grow at its expected trend or maybe a little bit better. And if that happens, that's going to keep demand up, you know, we'll have money, we'll have jobs, we'll spend it, and inflation won't maybe fall as fast as everybody thinks, and that will put upward pressure on interest rates. And unfortunately, the stock market is mesmerized by interest rates. It seems that that's the thing that drives it. So if rates are going up, it has a problem. You could give it a 500 decent earnings reports, but if rates are going up, it has a problem. If rates right. are going down, it's, it celebrates. And then you start to add in other things, right? Because you've been writing about the economic impact of the Houthi missile attacks. Uh, and now, of course, we are seeing a big spike. Freight rates are now spiking big time 
up 106% last month. You know, initially we talk, okay, maybe that's a problem for Asia, Europe. But if it persists like this, obviously that becomes an inflation story in this country as well, right? Yes. Remember that what we're talking about is everything that's been ordered will eventually, eventually get there. Nothing is being lost. But in a just-in-time world, you need it when it's scheduled. And that's why you're seeing people like Volvo's um, announcing shutdowns in the future in early February because they know that parts that they need to finish their cars won't arrive on time. You're seeing Stellantis, the old Chrysler, actually paying extra money to air freight stuff in so they can keep their production schedules going. If this continues and these boats have to keep going around Africa and slowing everything down, yeah, everything that the shippers promised you, you'll get, but it'll be late. And remember that about 35% of all cargo sent from Asia to Europe gets rerouted to the East Coast of the United States. It goes to New York, it goes to Charleston, it goes to Savannah because of the low water levels in the Panama Canal. The big boats can't get through right now. And so they've been going through Europe and now they have to take the long route around Africa and everything gets slowed. Yeah. And that's going to be a problem is for goods inflation. I think you were going to see it a little stickier than we thought even a few weeks ago. You know, uh, right now we're seeing uh, economic data move the market a lot more than fundamental data, stock, individual stock data. So I was reading an article. Uh, it was a study uh, on lights, like a satellite, satellites looking down around the world, and it suggests that nations where dictators are in charge actually lie a lot about their economies. Surprise, right? That's not necessarily man by his dog, but they've broken into three categories. They have free countries, partly free, and not free. Of course, not free. China's there big time. You can see just how much above the actual uh, GDP they reported that they were more or less lying. United States down here. And the reason I bring this up, Tim, you and I have talked about the economic data that moves our markets. It's becoming very faulty. Uh, folks aren't replying to these surveys. Uh, you know, what happens with our market if it's so data dependent, but we can't depend on the data? We'll find new data. We'll do it. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I think the powers that be froze Jim up on that one. Oh, Jim, trade associations. Jim, say it again because you were frozen there for a moment. Yeah, don't. Yeah, I think that you're going to see us look for other data or new data. We're going to look to the trade associations. We're going to look to private companies. We're going to look to their earnings reports. That's where we're going to uh, find the data. And also, we also have to recognize, too, the interpretation of the data matters. What you thought the data meant in 2019 before the pandemic may not be the same thing if you get the same input of data after 2020, because attitudes have changed and trends have changed. And as I always say, trend changes are not worse. They're just different. We need to adjust for that. Wow. Good stuff, Jim. Glad we were able to start the show with you. Thanks a lot, my friend. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, folks. So the market, though.